This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I have a special guest. We have Jason Finney on the show today, who is a fitness expert. He is an author and he's also an actor. And a quick sort of snippet for you. He's one of the only select few actors that have been in both a DC movie and Marvel. So there's plenty of things I'm sure we can talk about there. But Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, how you doing, Michael? Thanks for having me. So let's dive in initially, and I am almost surprised that there are not many actors that have done DC or Marvel. So be as blunt as you want. Which one's best? I was best? surprised too, to be honest with you. I mean, one day I was just Googling my name and I found this Marvel <laughs> Wikipedia thing. I was like, wow, what is this? And I just checked it out and it was interesting. Someone had put this up. I have no idea who did it. And mentioned that I'm one of the few actors that have done both a Marvel and a DC production. I said, wow, that's kind of cool. So, you know, it's a little feather in the cap. Yeah, yeah. So go on then. Which one would you say was your favorite? Do you have like a, a favorite sort of DC or Marvel that you had to pick? Yeah, they were both fun to do. You know, I like superhero movies. I like doing superhero things. I, I'm even an author of a superhero book series. So, you know, for me, it's all about, you know, working on these kinds of productions where I could, you know, use my strengths, my physicality to, uh, to benefit, uh, you know, myself and the audience. Just to touch on the book ever so, I mean, we'll dive into it later on, but ever so slightly is fitness and strength tends to be associated with superheroes quite a lot. They're just humans 2.0, or if you're a Superman, it's like a hundred point oh, and that, that, that sort of thing. It's always more than, everybody right. else right what convinced you to be specifically fitness when generally it's automatically assumed that they're stronger than we are yeah good question i mean fitness has always been part of who i am i mean i'm a kinesiologist i studied kinesiology in, at the university level and um you know i've always been an athlete ever since i started playing hockey at the age of three and, you know, uh, working out has always been part of who I am and what I do. It's just part of my constitution is, is, and, and it's part of my daily life. So it was just a no brainer to combine the things that I love, which is entertainment and sport and, you know, nutrition and helping people to create the book, which was fantastic. So, so in the book then, like if you, because I, I often picture the story of the Incredibles, right? The, the, the cartoon film where you watch him working out, pulling trains and throwing things around. And it's always like massive because the guy's really strong, right? Is that something that you talk about in the book? Do you share like workout regiments of superheroes? No, the book is really about helping kids become fit and healthy and giving them uh, an outlet and a place to become themselves and be accepted and have a platform to speak themselves because really it's about kids helping kids. The superhero is there to guide them, but really offers information that helps the kids kind of empower themselves as they go along through the book. So they'll get into some mischief and instead of someone telling them, hey, that's not what you should be doing, we take them to the magical land of Pumpland and we teach them what could be a better alternative if you choose to do it differently. And then when they go back to the real world, uh, because this is uh, kind of like a, a story that happens in two parallel worlds. You have the real world and then Pumpland, and you travel through a magic comic book to get to Pumpland to learn all of the lessons and all of the options that you could have to make a better choice. And then when they come back to the real world, then they have the option of choosing, and they always end up choosing the right thing. It's kind of empowering themselves, finding out through their own ideas and their own uh, volition what it is that they want to do and achieve, instead of an adult saying, hey, you need to do this. So what is it about the the children helping themselves? It's very like self-directed, isn't it? It's very sort of, I know what's right deep down. I just need someone to basically give me that sense of permission to be myself. Is that what you you found when you were writing the book? No, I, I, it's really helping the kids find a voice as opposed to someone giving them the voice that they need to speak. So really, if the kids can find a voice and figure out that when, you know, someone's reading this book saying, oh, wow, you know, it was them that figured this out. So I can do this myself, too. So it's empowering kids and the readers that they also have the ability to make the right choices themselves, not necessarily because someone is telling them to do it that way. 
got you understood. So these sort of basically give them a sense of like, you know, it's okay to think these things. It's okay to want to do these things. You just need to be in a space where you're allowed. Not, yeah, not, giving them a sense not really of allowed, is it? Because because it, it's, it, it's no, it's it's really giving them a sense of purpose and, and also building their self confidence that you no, know, their ideas are not necessarily bad ideas. You know what I mean? And what they choose for themselves is something good or could be something good. But yeah. the option is there, good or bad. You know, right or wrong. It's always there. What are you going to choose? Life is all about choices. So the concept really comes back to what choice are you going to make today that's going to impact your life tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that how does the book teach the element of acting in a way that your future self would sort of respond well to because it involves things like delaying gratification is one of them right so how how do they sort of explain that in the book when it comes to being happy with your decisions now for the future well because all decisions that you make now impact you tomorrow if i decide to work out today that's not going to help me today but it will help me tomorrow so anything that i do today will impact my life tomorrow so if i can make today better than yesterday tomorrow will always be better than today so the concept really is about making sure that you move forward by constantly doing things today that will improve your life tomorrow and the day after that and for years to come is it the the compound side is that something that they talk about in the book like it might benefit you tomorrow but then it ripple effects out if you'd be consistent with it absolutely the book is full of these life lessons that teach the kids that if you do something for yourself today it's going to benefit you not just today tomorrow and the day after because the the ripple effect of what it is that you're doing today will carry on it's kind of like a wave you know a wave starts way at the distance and what we see it crash, it's already traveled miles and miles and miles before it finally gets to the point where we visually see this incredible amount of power and strength overpower and overtake the land, where it's the same thing with a decision or a choice. If you make a choice today to do something, then the effect of that choice will probably be seen and be felt for many, many, many years to come. If you choose to adopt a healthy lifestyle today at the age of 9, 10, 11 years old, and you learn the benefits of being fit and healthy and, and how it will impact your life, well, you're going to carry that on through a lifetime. And then when you're 40 and 50 years old, you're not going to be dealing with certain ailments that some people will be because they've been sedentary for the last 30 years. Very, very good point, actually. It's almost like a preventative measure. If, if you maintain it and start it and all that, it kind of prevents a lot of things happening as you get older, doesn't it? Absolutely. Exercise to me is nature's medicine. It's the best thing you possibly can do for yourself in life. It's to take care of yourself. We're, we're made to move. We're given two legs and two arms. And it's to help us move and to keep us active and to keep us mobile. And that's what the concept is. is the, the book is trying to help kids understand the benefits of being active and being mobile and, and, and doing things for others and accepting who you are right now to make change. You can't change something that's not real. So if you accept yourself for who you are right now today, you can create a change for what it is that you want for tomorrow. And it's all about that acceptance. And we lack that in, in today's world, especially in this world of, of social media where there's so much bullying going on by people that are afraid to speak out in front of you they'll hide behind a screen because a lot of the stuff that happens today didn't happen when we were kids because you know kids were not they didn't have the guts to tell you to your face what it is that they're telling you online today and unfortunately it's really affecting a lot of kids you know that that, that are taking this to heart because yeah. for the most part kids are very very innocent beings and they're very good-hearted. We learn to have difficulties in terms of how we deal with things, you know? We're not born to be haters. We're not born, you know, we're not born to hate someone because of the color of their skin or because of what they believe or because of the religion they practice. We're taught it. So we're taught the belief systems that we are simply then implementing because that's what we've been exposed to. But if you can be exposed to something different and new that could perhaps broaden your horizon and broaden the way you see things and how you think and how you believe, then you're acting in, in a way that you can evolve. And evolution is part of life. When you stop evolving, you might as well just stop living because, you know, or when you think you know everything, just, you know, 
throw the towel in because we're constantly learning. We're learning from the day that we're born until the day that we die. Everything is a learning process. Everything's an opportunity to evolve. And if we continue to evolve, then life just becomes exciting. Then you don't look at what it is that you have materialistically and that you don't have. You look more from the perspective of what are you feeding yourself and how is your internal fulfillment channeling your life? You know, if you can be fulfilled, because a lot of people, you know, they're rich, but they're not fulfilled. A lot of people, they have a lot of a lot of cars and houses and boats and things like that, but they're miserable because they're always looking for something more to fill the void because the void that they're trying to fill it, you can't do it with a dollar bill. You know, you have to do it with, with feeling and with emotion and with desire and with, with passion. These are all things that we teach. And these are all things that I believe are very, very important to expose kids to early on so they can develop a personal development that is worthy of who they are, that they know that they're worth something. And, and self-worth is such a very big concept. You know, it's, it's something that the, so, the social media world is not tackling. You know, we're, we're destroying kids' self-worth as opposed to building them up and, and showing them that there's so much possibility and there's so much that they could be living based on who they are, you know? And, and I, that's really what the essence of the book is, is helping kids understand that, you know what, it doesn't matter what you where you're from it doesn't matter what color you are if you believe you can definitely achieve but the belief the belief has to come from you you know if someone tells you to believe it's not going to work it's like if someone tells you to go work out if someone tells you if, if someone in your household wants you to get fit but you don't want to it's never going to happen so it's the same thing for anything if you have the belief you can definitely get it done with that, then, the thing that sort of sprung to my mind there is a combination of things. The first one being, what's your take on transparency and honesty? And I want to come at this from one or two sort of angles. The first thing is, is social media more honest, even if it's brutal, or... Is that something that you shouldn't be exposing people to because it does more harm than good? Well, social media is, is a beast, okay? And it's a two-headed beast. It's one that provides a lot of really good information that will help build and will help create and will help evolve and will help make someone feel good and better about themselves. And then there's another head that will completely destroy you. And what we're seeing right now is the one that completely destroys you seems to be the ones that people gravitate more towards. So the big beasts in the business are gravitating all of their energy more towards that side, as opposed to help kids or help people in general. So social media, it's an open field where, you know, there's, there's no consequences and, and there's no accountability to anything that you do or post or say. And, but there is. That's the whole point. It affects you because it follows you. See, a reputation takes years to build, but it takes seconds to destroy. And your reputation is only as good as your last statement or the last thing that you said or the last appearance. You know, you work so hard in life to get to a certain place and it could be gone like that, you know. And it's all about making sure that whatever you do say, you mean and mean what you say. And you talked about transparency. It's extremely important to be transparent. You know, it's not something that's prevalent in society today. You know, if we look at politicians and we go down the ladder, uh, it's very difficult to find transparency and honesty. You know, everything is being built on uh, a perceived reality, which is not based on anything real. It's perception. The economy is based on perception. You know, look at the other day when Facebook crashed. And Instagram crashed for like six hours or whatever it was. It was gone like that. Something that apparently is worth billions of dollars with absolutely no tangible assets was gone. And it makes you think, it's like, wait a minute, what is real in this world? What exactly are we living? And what is worth putting our effort to? Because it could be gone in an instant. It's just, it, it was, it was, it was eye-opening to me. You know, so what I think we should put our effort in are the tangible things, are the things that really mean something, which is personal development of individuals, you know, not just building them up 
uh, from a perspective of, you know, being a, a motivational speaker. Uh, I think there's way too much motivation in the world, to be honest with you. Everybody knows what to say. They all know the nomenclature. They all know the key words. They all know the phrases. You know, you see these memes all over the place. But the bottom line is, what are you living? You can speak it, but are you living it? You know, most often, it's interesting. I'll see people on Facebook, for example, and they'll be posting wonderful pictures, you know, of their vacation, of, of you know, of the kids and, and a nice sunset in the back on the lake and everything else. And then I'll text my buddy. I say, hey, that's awesome, man. Did you have a good time? Oh, it was horrible. The weather was terrible most of the time. It was just a mess. Oh, and then there was mosquitoes. There's mosquitoes everywhere. And then the bears, they came out and they got our food. I mean, look, the reality is perception, right? <laughs> Whatever it is you want people to believe is what you put out there. But it might not be the real real. You know what I mean? The real reality. I think there's, there's so much with what you said there that it's just so complicated because you see people that are only posting when they're on holiday when they it's get back to their real it? life it's right uh, oh you're really quiet yeah yeah it's just i mean work uh for me the reason why facebook is so successful is because it caters to human nature because a human being wants to speak and they want to be heard but for the most part, they don't want to listen. So Facebook creates a platform for you to be able to speak as much as you want and say whatever it is that you want. And you don't have to listen to anybody or anything, but you can be out there as much as you want and say as much as you want. And that caters to the, the human ego. And most of us are, are governed by our human ego. You know, And ego is not like, look at me what I have. It's more from the perspective of protecting who I am on the inside that I don't want you to see. I think that there's a definite sense that it's curated, isn't it? It's just enough to satisfy yourself and the people that are watching, listening, whatever the, the case is. It's enough to satisfy that while also giving you some element of protection some element of I'm going to keep some cards close to my chest and I'm going to only show you the cards that I want you to see. Well, that's, that's what fear does, you know, and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing and a lot of the bullying comes from fear because most bullies have really low self-esteem and that's why they have to bully is because they have to build themselves up and they do that by attacking one of two types of people. One, that they either know they can get away with it, or the other one is they just know they can defeat them. But anybody that approaches them that they know they don't have a chance against, they cower. Because for the most part, a bully is a coward with low self-esteem. And when we get that through to kids, then a bully doesn't have the same connotation to them anymore. Because they know that it's just artificial. You know what I mean? It's an artificial way of, of building yourself up because you don't know or feel your own self-worth. So the idea of helping everybody, because I, I attack that in, in the books as well. I talk about the concept of making sure that, you know, you're kind to everybody. Everybody has to be kind to one another. Kindness is, is, is not something that, you know, should only happen once a year. You know, it's not at Christmas time that you should be kind. You should be kind all year round. And it doesn't cost anything to be kind. And it doesn't cost anything to be accepting, not tolerant. That's another thing. You know, everybody talks about, let's tolerate one another. Wow. To me, when you tolerate something, it has a very negative connotation because you don't really want it, but you have no choice. So you'll put up with it as opposed to freeing yourself and accepting something out of the goodness and kindness of who you are or who that person is. But acceptance is freeing and tolerating is binding it binds you inside almost like you know if you eat too many carbs in one sitting you know what i mean you feel all <laughs> binded up yeah. oh definitely i mean oh the the amount of the amount of times i go about that couple of too many pieces of pasta and See, all of a sudden it. it's you've got the energy but no desire to actually expend the energy carbs have a very weird relationship with, with a lot of people myself included if i have, yes. if I have not enough I feel better than if I have more. 
Right, because if you don't have carbs, is the brain food and it's necessary, but the body doesn't need the amount of carbs that we eat. You know, we overload. It's almost like if you take a washing machine, like a really good one, and you put the right amount of clothes in it, the motor will run fine. It'll be great. Everything will be fantastic. But if you try and overload that machine, that same motor that just ran perfectly for you is going to have a hard time. The same thing with your body. You overload it with all those carbs. The more that you eat, the more that it has to work, the chances are higher that those carbs will be stored in the form of fat because the body doesn't need that much carbs for energy production. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that that's the weird um, feeling that a lot of people get is they think the more they eat, the more energy they can have, which speaks to, well, not quite. It's the amount of energy that you need just enough to run to power what it is that you do but in the moment as well it's very weird like um i mean i i am diabetic and i have got uh, cystic fibrosis as well so my mm. body needs to be finely tuned otherwise it kicks me to the curb and it's one of those situations where self-awareness is a very very important thing you need to know how yes. your body works how your body operates one click here, one click there. You just go a little bit outside of what your body's used to, and that's it. Like you, it takes you a couple of days to get back to your, your even keel again. So everything that we've spoken about so far is predominantly like knowing yourself. It's understanding who you are, how you act, why you act, why you do what it is that you do, which then gets me curious about your own story, Jason. It gets me like, okay, well, he's gone, he must have gone through something to, to come up with these insights. So let's start with the fitness side. You mentioned hockey and sport and things when you were growing up. So share about your initial start into health and fitness, sport, and generally looking after yourself. I just was always uh, drawn to sports uh, and I, I was good at sports no matter what sport it was I was always good at it and uh, at the age of three I started skating playing hockey at the age of five and just loving it and you know really excelling at it and uh, the thought was in the family I was going to go pro and then I fell in love with music my mom was a music teacher and I got to go and see her rehearsed with her bands and all these school, she was a high school music teacher and she had all these high school bands that would play in different places. And I would go and watch the rehearsals and I just fell in love with it and I loved it. And I was, I was like totally, you know, uh, enamored by the drums, loved the drums. And uh, it took me away from my hockey, you know? I ended up falling in love with drums and going into that direction and then becoming a professional musician and doing all kinds of fun stuff in that world. Um, and, you know, it, it allowed me to diversify myself and see different elements, but it also um, gave me the opportunity to see how important fitness was to me. And I just would always integrate that in my life. No matter what it was I was doing, fitness was always the basis. It was always the idea of making sure that I took care of myself and making sure that I exercised my body and kept my mind as, as exercised as possible. I believe you have to exercise your mind as much as you do your body. And I think that's um, a point where a lot of people, they, they don't understand the importance of exercising your mind. It's like your mind is not something that all of a sudden you just are born with and you just go through life and never have to do anything about it, never have to condition it. So that's what I try to do as much as possible. Um, you know, you are what you're selling. You know what I mean? It's like fitness for me. You know, I have to make sure that I, I practice what I preach. It's like going to see a dentist with rotten teeth. Are you going to do that? You know what I mean? So if you want to see a, a, you know, a, a trainer or if you're interested in, in physical fitness and you're talking to someone who's a quote-unquote expert, if they don't look the part, you're not going to take them seriously. And same thing with acting because a lot of my acting comes from my physical being and a lot of the roles that I've gotten have to do with my physicality. I, I just maintain it. I keep it up, you know, especially through the pandemic, which it was very difficult to, you know, work out because everything had to happen at home. But uh, Interestingly enough, the fun part was I discovered a whole new program and I'm now in the middle of putting this together. It's called the 50 Fit Club and it's 50 days to a new fit from your house. You don't have to move. You don't have to, you don't need a lot of equipment because I didn't have access to loads of equipment like I would at a gym. So I created this program with three sets of dumbbells and a ball. That's it. And it's been fantastic. And I haven't lost a step and I haven't been in the gym in over a year and a half. That's 
pretty impressive that you've been able to to maintain things from home for for over a year, which is as of recording this, we're about two to three years into the the pandemic, aren't we? We must be coming up to the two year anniversary, if you will, of well, my last uh, day in the gym was March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Crazy. <laughs> so, as a professional musician and then transitioning into acting you must have overcome a lot of rejection and a lot of oh not quite this time and oh can we move this uh this date or this gig date and you're sat there thinking oh and there's so much going on around people saying yes or no you know and, and a lot a lot of things tend to hinge on that conversation is it a yes or is it a no Share a little bit about that side of things. Do you have a particular no that you've had to overcome? Do you have like a story around overcoming things like judgment and rejection? And how can you help people overcome that? Because you've you're quite well versed at this point in being told yes and being told no. So I'd be very curious to hear your insights about it. I think that it comes with the business. Uh, it comes with the territory. When you're going to be involved in some kind of a profession where you, your individual being, is what is going to be judged, you have to make sure that you have a good sense of character and a sense of self. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to survive. I think the most important thing beyond that is again, knowing your self-worth. It's like what I talk about in the books. It's like, you know, regardless of what someone says, if, if you feel better about yourself than other people may make you feel, because I don't believe someone could make you feel something. I believe that we choose. We choose how to feel about something. If I'm going to be uh, rejected, which rejection started at the age of 15 when I started in the music business. And, you know, we had our first, uh, you know, record deal that was supposed to happen and we were supposed to travel to Germany and record it and blah, 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 blah. And that was the first time, boom. And I mean, rejection is just part, it's just part of this whole business. So if you could overcome that and, and know that, hey, you know what? It's just putting one foot in front of the other and just keeping going and just keeping going. And then sometimes it's harder than others. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you have to also figure out what you're going to do. Because like in the pandemic, I had to completely reinvent myself. You know, there was no acting. There was no gyms that were open. Uh, I had no ability to get any, um, you know, clients in person. And I train people online now. All my clients are virtual. So I can train people from all over the world. I can coach people anywhere in the world. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And thank goodness we have the internet. You know, the internet uh, in this pandemic or, or without the internet, this pandemic would have been just detrimental. Uh, you know, to, to society as a whole, I think, you know, everything would have crashed. But in, in this situation, you know, if, if, you, if you hit a, a wall, you have to bounce back and you have to find out where there's, you know, another opportunity to turn somewhere. It's, it's, it's interesting because if I look back at my life and I, we can all do this and, and we look at the choices that we've made because everything's about a choice. You know, there's probably a dozen times in your own life that you can probably look back and say, wow, if I would have made that choice instead of this one, I wonder what life would have been like now, you know? So there's all these different ways of looking at it. And if you can just constantly tell yourself, you know what? Yeah, okay, so this road wasn't fantastic. Let me just keep on going and see if I can find another road. And you always will find another road. You know, there, there's never a dead end where you can't turn around, go back and find another road. If, if you choose to sit at the dead end, well, that's your choice. But there's always the choice to turn around and go and find another road and see what else you can find. And the cool thing is we live in a society in the free world that we live in that we can make all the choices we want. We can choose anything, anything at all. We can choose where we live, what we drive, where we work, uh, who our friends are, and so on. And, and the only thing you can't choose is to trade yourself in. You have to live with yourself from the day you're born to the day you die. So you better make it the best partnership and friendship you can. So take care of yourself. That's the most important thing. And if you take care of yourself, then you're going to help others that you care about because then you will have the ability to take care of them. And you won't break down and you won't get sick 
or you won't, I can't say won't, but you'll have a better opportunity to stay healthy if you take care of the things that matter, which is yourself. As I'm sure you're aware, I can definitely speak to that. <laughs> I can give so much more when I feel better. I can't do anything for anybody, even myself, when I have a bad day. Like, I have days when it's like, hmm, bad day today. This is pretty much my day. Yeah. And I like how you said that you can do everything but trade yourself in. You don't have a lot of choice in that regard. You have the cards that you're dealt. You have that hand. Mm -hmm. The best you can do, but the only thing you can do, you don't really have a lot of choice, is to do the most with it. Do the best with it. And one of the things that really, really got me sort of excited about what you were saying before about you've got to have a very, very strong sense of self. You've got to be very, very secure in yourself when you're dealing with the adversities and the struggles and the rejection and the judgments. And you've got to have this, I suppose you would call it bulletproofness around being able to keep going because it's very easy to stop isn't it i'm sure you can attest to this is oh, that absolutely. it's extremely easy to just stop moving yeah it's the easiest thing in the world to do is to stop you know and and most often what will happen you see is we tend to do the maximum of the minimum to convince ourselves that we're doing something so it kind of gives us the way out to be able to say to ourselves well i tried but, you know, it's like if I try and work out, I'm not going to get any results. You know, I'm going to try. I'm going to try really hard. But if I don't actually do, then nothing's going to happen. So, you know, the opportunity is always there to stop. It's the easiest thing in the world. But what is it going to do for you? And, you know, I'm the kind of person that always looks at something from a logical perspective. And I say, okay, so if I stop now, how is it going to affect me? You know, it's going to affect everything I do, because, again, what you do today affects you tomorrow and the day after. So if I stop today, that means nothing's happening tomorrow until I decide to start again. Once I start again, then I, I start back at ground zero and then I'm going to start building up again. And then from the time I decide to start doing something tomorrow will be better than it was the day before. But unless I do, nothing will ever happen. How can you help people not necessarily find a sense of self unless that's what you've got to do? How can you help people cultivate this sense of I know my myself, I know who I am, I know what my, I suppose, just what my values are or what my belief system is and how I operate as a person. How do you help people with that? Because I think that's something that I would probably say helps everything else. So the ripple effect of that is across every, because everywhere you go, there you are, is a quote that I, I heard many, right. many years ago. Mm -hmm. So just by having this impacts everything else, but it's not something people teach generally. It's not something it's people tend to educate people on everything's just free well in my experience it was this this and this are you able to shed some light on like the how we do it yeah i just want to kind of make a comment on what you just said about how everywhere you go there you are well it's more like everywhere you go there you are what you want people to see mm. so it's not necessarily there you are it's there you are internally 100 percent, and you have your little voice that will constantly remind you about that and to me the object is, is to make that little voice that's constantly talking to you when you're in these cerebral conferences all day long with yourself. And it, never, you, it just goes on and on and on. And I can see some people, you know, sometimes you're sitting next to someone and you can see the turmoil that's going on between their ears, you know, because it's constant. And it's because there's no truth between who they really are and who they're pretending to be. So if you're pretending, you can't be truthful. It's impossible. And that's the first thing I would say is that you have to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you're just living through the facade that you created. And the facade that you created is not who you really are. So you can't create change with something that's not real. So if you create something that is not real and you live through that, then it's impossible to evolve because you're not evolving with something that you really are. However, your voice knows who you are. Because constantly talking to you, it's, and it's constantly either arguing or trying to appease you. For example, if you say to someone you're going to meet them and you're going to do something, let's say, you know, I'm going to meet you for lunch tomorrow, and you don't show up. 
But the little voice might say, ah, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You know, I'm sure that they didn't wait long anyway. And that is what I call appeasing what you should be doing. And in, in, in that situation is like, are you being honest with yourself? Well, not really, but it happens all the time. And we're living in a world where honesty is lost. Honesty doesn't matter anymore. What matters is the perceived reality that is going to be repeated and repeated. And as that perceived reality is repeated, then we start to believe it. And we start to think it, it is now the actual reality when really it has nothing to do with it. If, like if, I, if I tell you the sky is, is green and if enough people tell you the sky is green, eventually you might second guess yourself and really ask yourself, maybe it is green and I'm just seeing blue. <laughs> it's a good way of phrasing it as well is but when you mention like you're trying to create the facade and then it makes our lives easier by simply confirming that it, well, it's hard. Think, we don't it, try and, and create the facade the facade is created for us you know when you're a kid the first time you ever experience loss or hurt or embarrassment or fear, we developed a way of, of, of shielding ourselves from feeling that. And that becomes our way of being. And it becomes kind of like an act that we use to uh, inhibit that from affecting our self at our very core. You see? So if, for example, you were embarrassed when you were four or five years old and kids were laughing at you for whatever reason, it's like that wasn't a good feeling. So right then and there, you figured out a way of being that you don't have to deal with that anymore. For some people, it might be to shelter away and not be very social. Other people, it might be, you know, I'm going to start being a comedian. I'm going to make people laugh about it. Or I'm going to, you know, get mad. I'm going to get upset. You know, I'm going to beat them up if they laugh at me. Everybody develops a different way of dealing with things. And that becomes the way you do things from that point on. And when you realize later on in life, when you have you know, the wherewithal to go look back and, and study all this and look at it and, and then evolve from there, you know? But it, 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 it's like anything else, you have to be ready for it. You have to be ready. If you wanna be fit, it's because you wanna be fit. It's not because someone else wants you to be. It's never gonna happen that way. It's the same thing with your mind. When your mind is ready to accept and to be open to the change, to the possibilities, then you'll do it. So what was your self-talk when you were going through the, I suppose, the rejection conversation, right? The sort of the, the no's, the yeses, navigating that world. What was your self-talk like when you got a yes, when you got a no? And paint the picture for, for me and the people listening how that shifted over time? Well, for years, it was like not a big deal, simply because we believed in what we were doing and we just thought, ah, we'll make it. We got it. It's going to come. You know, there's so much that has to do with luck, though. You know, uh, we had fantastic opportunities. I mean, you know, we had little record deals. We had, uh, you know, major interest from big ones, uh, big companies at the time. Uh, it was it was close. It was very close, you know, and when you get that close and you get a little bit of a taste of it, it's like, wow, you know, the opportunity is there. So if we just go a little harder or if we just work a little, you know, a few more hours, I practice just a little more, you know, maybe we'll get there. And that lasts for many years until you finally get to the point where you get kind of disenchanted, frustrated, and it's hard. You know, training your body is hard. Training your mind is hard. But they both have to be done. So for me, you know, I didn't want to fall down a rabbit hole and get into this situation. And it's, it's, a, it's, like, um, it's like a roller coaster. You know, you have the ups and you have the downs. And you're definitely going to always have the ups and the downs. But the idea is to not stay on the highs very long. and Make sure your lows are very short. And then you start to get back on the highs again. Because otherwise, you can stay in the low for a long time. And again, that's the idea that we spoke about earlier about stopping. When you get into a low like that, you stop. And what happens when you stop? Nothing could move forward. So tomorrow can't be better than today. And that's just part of it, you know, and it just, 
it just keeps you going because you can't stop because when you stop, you lose, you know, and, and you can't lose if you don't stop. And then that's the key. The key is you can't fail if you don't stop. You can fail when you stop. And the key is not to stop. It reminds me of riding a bike. If you stop the bike, you're more likely to fall off. But if you keep pedaling, you're more likely to stay on and regain your balance and, and figure it out as you go along. Are there any particular moments where they were, I mean, I'm aware this could be quite vulnerable now, so it's a bit of a pre-warning. Are there any moments where it was particularly low and you managed to talk yourself out of it? So it was almost like a, a helpful, pretty intense, negative, like rejection situation that you found yourself in. It wasn't a rejection. It was a loss. When I lost my mom, that was a, a very big low. And from one instant to the next, even though she was sick at the end and we knew that, you know, she wasn't going to last much longer, she was still there. You know what I mean? But from one second to the next, when the last breath is taken, that's when life changes forever. And that was a very, very big adjustment. And it still is. It's like life changes forever when you lose your mother. And anybody out there that's lost their mother can attest to that. Um, and you never, ever ever go back to where it was and you just learn a new way and you, you you learn how life has to be from that point forward you know and uh it's tough it's very tough because you know um i every day find myself talking to her or asking her things or wishing that she could see something that i'm doing or you know um that's probably the toughest low i've ever had you know, I mean, there's a there's a ton more professional lows, but you hit the wall, you bounce back and you keep going. Uh, an emotional low, that's a little bit more difficult. And um, that was one that I will always struggle with. And I will, you know, always, there'll always be that void. But at the same time, you create a new way of doing things, you know. And, and keeping on the same path and doing it the best that you can. Thanks for the honesty there, Jason. I mean, loads of people that have lost. I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I can definitely see that happen to me in the past when I've lost people, I've lost friends and family. And it's almost, um, it's almost like because you don't know what life is like after that it mm -hmm. takes a lot longer to actually get clear on things before you then can carry on yeah. you mentioned before about like stopping as you lose well something like that you will have to stop because you you don't know what carrying on looks like you don't know what continuing looks like i mean there's some things you might have handle on you know like the the professional side is easy you know, you just get up and do it again. The emotional side, the personal side, that's different because when you close the doors and you close the windows, you put the curtains up, you know, when real life hits you in a way that you'd never experienced before. For me, I had to stop. I was like, what do I do now? How do I keep going? What does it look like? It's something we never get clear on until it happens, is it? We never even consider it until it happens. It's like a storm that hits somewhere else. So you sit there and think, that what happened to me? And that never happens here. Mm. And then it does. You know, it was like when, when the pandemic started, I lived on like quite a small island. And we were cracking jokes at first. Because it was like, it's never going to reach us here. We're on a, a remote island. It'll be fine. You know, we were kind of like reading on the news. And it was kind of like, well, I started to question it. And then it appeared. And mm -hmm. then it became real. Then it became like, okay, I could probably do with looking after myself now, making sure I'm safe and all those things. That's kind of what it feels like. You don't think it's going to happen to you until it does. But if it's a professional thing, you probably went in originally with this expectation of people are going to say no to me i've got to be able to be okay with that 
and there'll be a yes somewhere down the line that justifies the repetition and going through the nose. Where if it's a personal thing, that's a very, very different feeling. It's a very, very different emotion that if you don't know, if it's unknown, because it always is, something that personal is unknown. You don't expect it. It comes out of nowhere, not from a everyone passes away, but your brain can't process it because it's never happened before. It's the mm. first time. It's like the first time you do something, it's always the most emotional. But after a hundred, a thousand probably in your case with the professional side, you just brush it off, I suppose, is the right way of putting it. You brush it off and keep going. Like it just grazes your shoulder rather than knocks you to the floor. And you just get better at it, don't you? Where if it's a personal thing, very different. Well, the professional, first of all, you never go in thinking that they're not going to like you or they're not going to want to hire you ever because you're dead in the water if you do. You know, you have to go in knowing that you knowing your self-worth, knowing that, you know, whatever it is they decide, it doesn't matter. You know that you're going to give your best performance. You're prepared. You're coming in there and you're going to give everything that you have. And that's all you can do. And as long as you're happy with your performance, then there's nothing that you ever have to say about it to yourself. If you did the work and you prepared and you did the best of your ability, that's all that counts. Because there's a million reasons why you don't get a job. A million reasons. And a lot of them have maybe to do with the fact that maybe you look like someone that the director doesn't like. Or maybe you're too tall or maybe you're too short or maybe, you know, you're going to make the, the main actor look bad because, you know, they're not as in, in shape as you are or you're they're in better shape than you are. So to question that is going to put you down that rabbit hole that we spoke about. You know, you want to stay away from that. The idea is to always maintain your self-worth and always know that you did your best. Make sure you do your best, though. Don't ever go in haphazardly and, you know, not prepared. Because it's up to you to make sure that you're prepared. All that has to be on your side. And then once you've done your job and once you've performed the best that you can, the rest is out of your hands. You have to forget about it. Emotionally speaking, when it comes to something personal, when it comes to something that, that hurts your very being, and now we're not talking about the perceived reality, we're talking about the true self, your, your actual being. You know, uh, when something like that hits you, like, you know, the death of your mother, um, I cried every day for 30 days, every single day. And it was the toughest thing I had to go through. And yes, you do ask yourself, what now? And how am I going to go on? But you can't stay there for long. And you know what I did during that time? I wrote the books. I took that time and that's how I mourned. And in the book, there's a bluebird. And the bluebird comes back in every single book. And the the bluebird is Christina, and that was my mom. So in every single book, Christina the bluebird represents my mom, and she's in every single one. And that will always be, you know. Um, I just think it's important never to stop, even though it's the hardest thing sometimes is to kick yourself in the butt. But you got to do it, because if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. And the worst thing to do is to stay in a position where you are regressing instead of progressing. You know, I talk about this in the 50 Fit Club program, how important it is to always stay in a projection where you're moving forward. You know, no matter, even if it's only half a step, a quarter of a step, an eighth of a step, it doesn't matter. You're still moving forward. And as long as you're moving forward, you're not moving backwards. So maybe to you, it seems like perhaps you're not really moving a lot. But as long as you keep moving, you're not going backwards. And that's so important to get through to people. It's like, even if it's a small step, even if it's a small thing, you're still going to do it. You're still going to move forward. Maybe tomorrow it'll be a bigger step because you'll feel better. But at least it'll be a bigger step from where you were. And from where you were, it's not where you were yesterday because you took that eighth of a step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Th thanks so much for sharing that about the Bluebird as well. I Loads of people that be buying the books now and getting them just to see if the uh, the bluebird does make an appearance. So yeah, she's there all the time. Yeah, very very. Uh... She's illustrated too. So. Oh, is she? Oh, cool. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, has she got any particular features that are relevant to like how how, how well, she was in real life? The bluebird was her favorite bird. 
Oh, and, okay. And uh, she had a small, um, she had bluebirds all over her office area. And I have a couple, you know, and uh, they, they just remind me of her, and you know. Yeah, amazing. I bet um, she imparts some wisdom in the books as well. It's interesting. She doesn't necessarily speak in language, but she speaks to Captain Pump. So she can alert Captain Pump of certain things. And then Captain Pump will reiterate whatever it is that she was telling him. Oh, really? We have to take care of that. Oh, absolutely. Boom, boom, boom. And, you know, they go off and they fly together. I got this one illustration. It's, it's amazing. I'm going to put this on my wall one day. It's Captain Pump and the Bluebird and Christina flying together and they're flying face on. So it's just a wonderful illustration of them flying towards you, you know? Oh, amazing. I bet, I bet she's uh, looking down or whatever it is that you believe happens. And she's, I'm sure she's proud of that for sure. You know, I, I, I hope so. I hope so, you know. But it's, it's important never to forget. It's important to always, you know, keep good memories because they're not all good. Of course not. In a lifetime, you don't have all good memories with someone, right? But it's important to hold on to the ones that are good. Because, you know, that's what you want to remember and that's what you want to keep in your heart, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just out of curiosity, it's a bit of a weird question now. So I'm aware that we've gone through some ups and downs just in the conversation today, which has been amazing, by the way. I've, I've actually enjoyed this weird roller coaster. Is that the kind of relationship that you had with your mother in that, like, it was quite sort of subtly supportive in, in that sort of way? Oh, I had a great relationship with my mom. My mom was a fantastic person who always made sure that we had whatever it is that we needed. And, you know, she was always supportive in what it was that we wanted to do. And, you know, I was able to have bands because we could practice at my mom's place in the basement, you know. And not only that, she prepared a whole big casserole full of lasagna for us to eat afterwards. It was just it was fantastic, you know. She, <laughs> oh, she, nice. was, she was great. She was great, you know. And... um she allowed us to do whatever it is we wanted to do and, and, and really be free to explore, you know, explore different avenues and different things we wanted to do and, you know, different sports, different activities. I mean, when I was a kid, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't have three activities that I was involved in. You know, she had us in everything, you know, and that was great because it really showed me all kinds of different things that, that you know, I was exposed to all kinds of different you know, uh, parts of the arts and, and sports. And uh, it was just, it was just great. You know, I, I can't say anything more about it. Can you speak to having that freedom to experiment and to try while having a sense of like safety, I guess you would call it, because there are a lot of people that don't necessarily feel like they can experiment. And some people don't feel like they have the safety to do different things, do try different things, try amazing things and let's see what happens. And some people struggle with the freedom to experiment and the freedom to fail, I guess, for want of a better expression. Can you speak to that? Yeah, that's part of the failure we talked about earlier. You know, and if you, there's failure of success as much as there's failure to fail. And, you know, some people, um, they fear getting involved period, because of judgment. And, you know, again, that's another fear, fear of judgment. So really, it's about getting over all those obstacles, and just doing for the sake of doing without having a reason for doing it, just doing it, you know, I did things because I enjoyed doing them, I never thought about and I couldn't care less what people thought, you know, and it's probably why I'm still in this business, because in the end, I really don't care what someone thinks about me, because I know who I am, and I know what I'm worth, you know, uh, I don't need someone to give me a job to, to improve my self-worth because I know the business inside and out. I, I know how things work. All these things that are out of your control that have nothing to do with you as a person or an actor will often be the reason why you don't get a job. So you can't let it affect you who you are. You, you just have to let it bounce off of you. You know, life goes on. It's interesting that you bring up the the acting side again because I'd like to fast forward a little bit to that point where you're obviously in films now you're in movies now you probably get requests to be in films as opposed to having to constantly audition I'm assuming you have to audition anyway but 
what would you say was this is going to be a massive segue by the way to people listening going whoa we just hit a brick wall and just completely changed topic but <laughs> to kick things off on the acting front jason what has been the most or one of the most memorable moments when you've been auditioning or even recording you know just uh, from the career up to this point what have been some of the more memorable moments um there's a couple you know working on this uh, production um uh, called nikki deuce and it's a nickelodeon kids show and it was put together by all the boys from the sopranos and steven shripa wrote the book and then it became the movie and he brought everybody on board uh you know to do this and um it was a lot of fun it was something that was enjoyable and you know I grew up watching that show. So to have all these people that I grew up with now, you know, on the same set as me and working with me, it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know? And um, also working on this other kid's show is the tales of the never ending story. It was based on the book. So they had a, a they had a Nickelodeon, uh, no, it was Fox kids. I think kids Fox show back in the day. And I played, you know, a, a character, where working with kids is so much fun because they're so innocent and they're so natural and they're not worried about looking good. They're just doing their thing. And it was just a fun, enjoyable experience. You know, I would love to do that again, you know, be involved in a project where there'll be kids, you know, on the set and stuff. That's what we're trying to do with Captain Pump. We're trying to get that right now into a kid's TV show. And um, that would be amazing. You know, that would be a dream come true. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just after the, micro conversation we had before must be very very um surreal i guess to see all the characters come to life as well as i've seen them on the screen as opposed to in the uh, the books well even just seeing them in the books come to life you know it's like having the idea you know is one thing and then putting it on your screen is another thing and then going from that perspective to seeing it in a book and actually seeing the illustrations come to life and the characters that you created, it's, it's really, it's a whole world, you know? And now we also have a musical album that goes along with the books. So we're really excited about that. I, two of my really good friends from home got involved with me in, in the project. And we wrote this wonderful kids album that we're in the middle of finishing up. I mean, it must feel amazing to not just get the ideas to life but then the different ways and the different depths and you can really go all in with something like a film because there's a lot of subtle cues and subtle sort of subconscious things that you probably have to think about well people watching don't so you, you can go into a lot more detail visually in your brains like after you think about all the little things don't you and how this works and how that works and how would that look what about this way instead of that way do you have any particular questions that you would ask yourself regarding like that process of creating the films you know the creative process happens spontaneously for the most part because when you're on set you have to live in the moment and again you've done your work so everything that you've done as an actor to prepare, to build your character, to create the backstory. So now you have to trust your work and then you have to simply live in the moment because the idea is to, for you to bring words on a page that someone wrote to life. And the only way you can bring them to life is by bringing yourself into those words, you, yourself as an individual, you know, because it has to hit you. And what hits us as an audience is when we see an actor being hit by what it is they're doing. Because the one thing that we have in common as human beings is the attachment of an emotion. When emotion is conveyed, we feel it. So when an actor is really present and doing their job properly, they can get through the screen to you and hit you where it hurts. And that's what makes a great actor. I mean, I know just a conversation right now is definitely hitting me in ways I never thought that it would initially when we first started. So <laughs> this has been incredible 
really, for want of uh, a better expression. I don't think that I could have had a, a deeper conversation with you, Jason. It's been phenomenal. So thanks, thanks. for the honesty and the, the transparency and being vulnerable as well. It's not an easy thing to do. And um, I just want you to know that I really appreciate and, and really sort of value that that side of you and sharing that it can be part of the process of acting and creating and throwing yourself at a project in, in a lot of ways it's very difficult to know the ins and outs in the depth that that, that you shared with me so it's been quite a wild ride for what i can't really describe it to be fair it's been, it's been really really well, I'm cool. glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you enjoyed it i think that it's important to, to allow vulnerability to be seen as an actor and as a human being because that's what makes us really um attractive to others you know is to see the vulnerability come out because that's the part of the emotion and the human element that comes out in our work or it comes out just, you know, with you and, and your spouse or your friend or whoever it may be. You know, when true honesty comes out and you're being your true self and the vulnerability is allowed to be shown and then shared, that becomes a special moment. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely recall moments where I don't know if it's an automatic or a subconscious thing, but you can tell when the acting stops being acting and becomes the person in yes. the movie. I don't know if that's like my, my brain picks up on it, you know, when someone like that the face relaxes and you can just see mm-hmm. they're not acting. They're not. This is, I mean, they are right i mean i i watched i watched the just the avengers not only like two or three weeks ago again for the 10th time right and when you see the behind the scenes it's all green screen the whole and i'm like oh my imagine how good you would have to be to not only be emotional but be yourself and let everything just flow and react naturally mm-hmm. in a green room you're not, you're not really seeing it. You're not actually feeling it and tasting it, but having an actor that can make it feel mm-hmm. like they are, but then get to that other level of, he's actually scared there. He's actually being front, even though he's not, it's a green room, but they're able to take it and go, this is who I am in this moment, feeling these things as if it was 1,000% real. My brain's mind blown completely mind blowing the people that can do that i couldn't do that i can't be in a green room as if it was something completely different that's completely blew my mind when i saw that well that's when your work has to be done ahead of time as an actor you know you have to trust the work and once you're climbing up i've climbed up a green wall before where it was had to represent the side of a mountain and there was nothing but cliff and and i had to represent that and you know it's just really a question of making sure that you're in the moment and you're living being on a mountain on the side of a cliff, you know, and that's what, that, that's what makes acting acting, you know, it's like, you know, that's what, that's what makes a really good movie. Like you said earlier is when, or a TV show, when you can see the actor being present, then you can see the actor living the moment. That's when you're attracted to that actor or that moment or that scene, because it hits you because it's hitting them. But you can also see really bad acting where all you gotta do is look in the eyes. And if the eyes aren't saying anything, there's nothing happening in that actor's mind. There's nothing happening in the scene, you know? So very, very in the interesting. Eyes, the eyes will tell you everything. Will always, yeah. always tell you everything. 100%. That's the thing that I, I've realized just now that I, I, I tend to latch on to that. I don't know if it's the empath in me or something else. My brain locks on to like around my eyes. Mm-hmm. And you, you can just see it. You can just tell. And I was mind blown anyway. But then watching behind the scenes, I'm like, this is insane. I could not do this. There is no way. Because I'm, I'm to be able to experience something, I have to actually experience something. I can't pretend I'm experiencing something. Right. That's a very difficult thing. Not mm-hmm. just being present, but experiencing it as if it was real, actually happening. I, I, I know I can't do that. But that's the closest thing you have to do is you have to get as close as possible to experiencing what is real. 
even though it's not real. You have to create the realness. And that's by tapping into your own experiences, to your own feelings, to your own emotions, to your own past, so that you could channel something. If you don't do that, then it becomes a very void experience and a very void performance. So the, the experience for the audience is not going to be you know, what it should be. And your performance is not going to be what it should be because the void is going to be there of what it is that you need to bring to the scene to make it real and to make it authentic. Yeah. I've, I've always respected actors, but then it's seeing that my, my brain was just like, oh my God, it's absolutely. Some of the work that I've seen is like the complete polar opposite for what you see on the on the the tv on the big screen it's completely mind-blowing so jason this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation i've really enjoyed it i'd love to have you on a second time this has been phenomenal if people wanted to learn more about you whether you've got you know we, 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 well we know about the dc and marvel movies so maybe share those people might want to check those out and mention the books as well give people the chance to learn more about you and what you do yeah, well, they can go to captainpump.com and that will give them information on the books. The books are available on Amazon and it's a three book series. They're fantastic for kids between the ages of seven and 11. And if they're five and six, you can read them to them. There's a lot of illustrations. They're colorful and they're really well done. Uh, there's between 50 and 65 illustrations in each book. So it's really about showing the world as much as it is telling the story of the world. And uh, you can also find the 50 Fit Club which is going to be launched in the next month. I'm really excited about that. So as we are right now, uh, it'll be, let's say, December of 2021, it'll be out. Uh, we're working hard on it right now. It's the program I created during the pandemic to help people become fit and healthy from the comfort of their own home with very minimal equipment. And it's, it's very exciting as well. And they can find me on Instagram at Jason Finney. They can find me at jasonfinney.com. I can't hide, basically. Very simple. <laughs> Just Google yeah. my name with two S's and you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Jason, as I said, it's been incredible. Those that are tuning in, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future guests. Check out what Jason's got going on. Clearly, he's put a lot of effort and thought behind what he does. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share it on social media, tagging us, telling us what you think, and to help other people that don't even know the show exists. Leave a review on Apple and Spotify and all those other good places so that you can tell everybody else that the show was amazing. So, Jason, thanks again. I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, my friend. Just before you take off, if you'd like to join my inner circle, which is accountability, access to me, and you also get the chance to have exclusive interviews with my podcast guests. If you click the link in the description for the podcast, you get a two-month free trial in the inner circle. I shall see you on the other side.